This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, March 17th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Matt Hoysh. In today's headlines, Hark discusses voodoo lot and transfer warehouse. County defers decisions on mineral exploration. EPA prepares to resume valley floor tailings remediation. And a mountain weather forecast. But first... The National Federation of Community Broadcasters has confirmed that KOTO is one of only a handful of non-commercial, non-underwritten public radio stations left in the nation. Keep this unique hallmark of Telluride going strong with a donation during our winter fundraising. Call in or head to KOTO.org to donate. And thank you. On Thursday, Matt Hubner of Mancos and Telluride died while teaching a ski school lesson on Bee's Run in Revelation Bowl. Ski Patrol arrived within minutes and made every effort to resuscitate, but they were not successful. Matt has been in the Telluride area for 20 years. He is survived by his brother, Mark, his sister, Rebecca, and his son, Travis. He was 66 years old. The cause and manner of death are under investigation. Griffin Funeral Home will be handling services. Two major building projects are likely coming to Telluride in the near future. On Wednesday night, in a meeting that lasted nearly five hours, the Historic and Architectural Review Commission met to discuss the voodoo lot development and the transfer warehouse. Roughly 50 members of the community also showed up to share their opinions on the matter, with more writing letters to share their support or concern. The topic of most conversation is the development at the Voodoo Lot. The town of Telluride owns the property and plans to develop it for mixed use. About 75 to 80 percent of this project is affordable housing. Um, That is the proposed public benefit. It occurs on every level of the project. Um, On the street level, the other uses include a approximately 2,800 square feet of commercial space. That would include replacing the use of the community room, which is proposed as um, being demolished that portion of the the Marshall's, the current Marshall's building. And then the proposal of the free box, as well as public restrooms and the historic shed rehabilitation into a commercial space. That's Maura Trumbull with CCY Architects, the firm working with the town on the development. There is also a two-story parking structure. As part of the design, the town is looking for variances on height and lot size. The height maximum in the district is 35 feet. The town is looking to build up to 40 feet in some areas with just over 36 feet in others. It is also looking to combine smaller lots to make one lot roughly 5,000 feet larger than the allowed lot size. On the whole, HARC members are in support of the development moving forward, but they have concerns about the design, largely when it comes to mass and scale. HARC member Sherry Harvey. I think that when we start to have these variances, we get too much density, too much noise, too much darkness, shadow, ice buildup. There's a lack of open space, light and air, and it affects not just the neighbors or our community. We all walk down Pacific, we all go to the post office or Intercom Park. This is our historic district and we only get one chance at this. And I really wish that we weren't faced with this problem because I don't think it's it's gonna solve much to squeeze more affordable housing units in here when I'm not allowed to express my opinion, but I do think that we could have gotten more elsewhere. 
She says she supports creating more affordable housing, but not at the expense of historic preservation. Here's Harvey in an exchange with HARC member Stacy Lake. It's a very urban building. This, this belongs in Grand Junction. This is not a downtown Telluride building. Of course, but at the expense of how many affordable housing units? That's the question. I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, I, yeah. but I, I can't on HARC think about the use. We, we are here with these design guidelines. When it came to public comment, the community is mixed. Jackie Garcia is in favor of the design. I live and work in town and actually live on South Spruce in uh, the area, like about a block away from where this is proposed. Um, and I know that um, in the historic district, there, there's been concern raised for the scale of this project. Um, and as someone who has lived and worked in town and is trying my darndest to stay um, with uh, the issues of affordable housing here, I would really like to see this development be able to move forward with the variances because I believe it's um, it's important to, to have that for our town. Dave Valentine says he supports the content of the development but has issue with the size. Basically, they're trying to put too much in this building. We want to have, the neighborhood wants affordable housing. It wants the, all, all the amenities that are there, but it can be done in a way where they're trying to put too much mass into this uh, square footage of this new new lot. And if they can go over and take the new lot, bring things down, it'll be great. At the end of a long discussion, Hark requested to continue the discussion on the voodoo lot development. It identified a number of conditions they would like to see when it comes to the next design, primarily in terms of setbacks from the property lines, mass and scale of the development, window height, and making the buildings look more defined as separate structures. The second discussion of the evening was the transfer warehouse. While conversation around the transfer warehouse has been at times contentious in recent days, primarily when it comes to use and noise levels, Hark's purview for the evening is an amendment to the development agreement. The Telluride Arts District, which owns the transfer warehouse, plans to install a roof that will cover a portion of the building, rather than the whole building. Before opening public comment, Hark Chair Mike Shambaugh made clear the discussion at hand. There's nothing to do, and I, I'm not going to take public comments on things outside of park on Hark's purview, such as the usage of the facility. All we're talking about, a 70-foot long roof or a 100-foot long roof. Public comment was primarily in favor of allowing a partial roof. Here's Rosie Cusack. This building will provide space that will exist no place else in Telluride. And the key to this is that entree, when you go into the space where it's open and the beauty of what's outside comes in through those old historic windows. But Arthur Goldberg still has concerns. We live 15 feet away and there's a lot of issues concerning noise, right? Now, if there was an entire roof on this building and there was music being played at amplified levels in the evening, it would be muffled and we wouldn't hear it. Okay. Um, if the design that is being proposed is used uh, or is approved and music is played in the interior space with the door open, there's that big giant garage door thing open, then it would be the same as if it was being played outdoors. Following public comment, Hart quickly provided recommendation to the Planning and Zoning Commission to approve the partial roof on the transfer warehouse. When it comes to noise in Telluride at large, Telluride Town Council plans to discuss the town's noise ordinance at its meeting next week. 
Hark plans to continue discussing the Voodoo Lot development at its meeting on Wednesday, April 20th. The San Miguel County Board of Commissioners has pushed off making a decision on two mining special use permits. The BOCC held public hearings for both of the separate projects at their meeting this week. The first is for mineral exploration, looking for copper in the Klondike Basin. They proposed 20 drill sites, approximately 60 by 60 foot pads. That's County Senior Planner John Hubner briefing the BOCC this week. They proposed an operations period from May 1st to September 30th annually for up to three years. And this window matches the, that requested by Colorado Parks and Wildlife to alleviate any concerns over severe winter range for elk, deer, and for hunting seasons. The applicant, Tarsus Resources U.S. Inc., plans to operate the site continuously 24 hours a day during the drilling season, with one week of operation for each of the 20 drill sites. Over years two and three, Hubner explains, they then plan to follow up on any sites they identify as needing follow-up drilling. They expect three to five persons on site per shift, and they will lodge in Nadarita. Uh, the boreholes are estimated to be very similar to when drilling uh, well water. There are six inches, and they will be drilled to depths of approximately 100 to 1,500 feet, and can range from either straight down or an angled drill. Gabriel Sweet is with Tarsus Resources. He notes if there is a move from this exploration to mining, it would be a long process. Usually minimally 10 years of study, um, of permitting, of developing kind of the social license to explore and to, and to develop regionally. The permit request passed the County Planning Commission 3-2. to two. The BOCC at their meeting had several questions about areas, including washing vehicles, historic resources, light pollution, and water as well as revegetation. Here's Commissioner Hillary Cooper. I would like to see a more comprehensive um, revegetation plan and uh, money set aside. During public comment, Art Goodtimes raised his own concerns that there wasn't adequate awareness about the public hearing. It's insufficient notice to my mind, although it was legally the required amount. And I also feel that you haven't allowed sufficient time for a controversial issue that was narrowly passed by your planning commission. Good Times asked the commissioners to continue the hearing to a later date. At that point, the hearing was running over schedule, and the commissioners voted unanimously to continue the public hearing and discussion on the special use permit for copper exploration at their March 30th meeting. A similar decision played out with a separate request for a special use permit for uranium exploration at nine drill sites in the northwest end of the county. And the proposal is an exploratory boring project with nine drill sites for the purpose of exploring for uranium. That's County Senior Planner Troy Hengen briefing the BOCC at their second public hearing at this week's meeting. There'll be reverse circulation holes about six inches in width that will be drilled to depths of 80 to 300 feet. The work schedule will be five days a week, Monday through Friday, for 10 hours a day during the daylight. This exploration, by Thor Mining, would run from May 15th to September 30th. Nicole Galloway-Warland is with the project. When it comes to water use, she notes water is mainly for dust mitigation. Um, so it, there will be negligible water required for the project. Due to COVID, she notes, they haven't had the community engagement they would normally want to have for the project. We certainly want to get on the ground and be interacting with the local communities um, and supporting them where we possibly can. 
We also do a $200,000 grant to uh, support local environmental and conservative groups so that they can work on um, their conservation or environmental activities in the area. So we try and integrate our work with the local communities as much as possible. While the Planning Commission approved the uranium exploration 3-1, to the BOCC voted to also continue that public hearing at their March 30th meeting. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and Forest Service are preparing to resume mine tailings remediation on the valley floor west of Telluride. According to Joni Sandoval, on-scene coordinator for the project with the EPA, the aim is to get going in the next two or so months. We're hoping it'd be mid-May, but that'll depend on Mother Nature and, and when we can get access to the site. Last summer, the EPA, in conjunction with the Forest Service, began an emergency removal of tailings along the San Miguel River, relocating them to the Idarada Repository on the east end of Telluride. According to the EPA, the tailings have dangerously high levels of lead and arsenic. Trucks traveled back and forth, carrying the tailings to the repository. Sandoval says this year's work will look similar. We're also trying to um, use any lessons learned or or look at all the challenges that we had from last year and, and uh, try to improve the process. Safety, Sandoval notes, will continue to be a priority. The operation will again follow the safety protocols from last year, which she says have proved to be effective. Uh, we did uh, particulate monitoring or, or dust monitoring. We, we did air sampling. We uh, took extra measures to ensure that our trucks we're not leaking any materials. We'll continue to do those protocols, and that was putting gasket material in the back of the trucks, uh, hosing the trucks down, wetting the material before we place them in the back of the trucks, making sure there's a tarp over the material, uh, as well as, as driving at reduced speeds. One significant concern from local residents last year was about the added traffic from the trucks traveling frequently through town. But Maganino, Norwood District Ranger with the Forest Service, notes the added trucks integrated well into the usual traffic flow in town. And I won't say that there wasn't stress from that additional traffic, but we did notice that the concerns from the public lessened and less as the project went on. And those trucks seemed to just kind of flow into the regular truck traffic that is all the construction happening in Telluride. Sandoval says it's hard to predict the exact length of the hauling, but she anticipates it will look a lot like last year. We're going to do our best to reduce the amount of days that we're hauling, but it's going to be similar to last year where it's pretty much all season, potentially. After the hauling, the teams will also do restoration work on the site. We are trying to get it as close to what the pre-existing conditions were. However, um, it does give us an opportunity to make some positive changes. One change Sandoval points to is potentially taking off some pressure on local utilities along the river channel. She notes the federal teams are having meetings with the town and county to discuss the restoration plans. The hope, Sandoval explains, is to have everything done by late fall. But from there, Eno adds, the Forest Service will monitor the river flow and the success of the revegetation. So uh, I think that the restoration work is likely going to have multiple stages in the future, but what that looks like is really going to be dependent on that monitoring and what we see in those um, immediate years following. The EPA will host a virtual public meeting on Thursday, March 24th from 12 to 2 p.m. to discuss the continuation of the Valley Floor Mine Tailings remediation work. 
In the coming weeks, according to Sandoval, the agency also plans to hold public meetings to discuss another tailings remediation project just west of Society Turn near Lawson Hill. Last year, the EPA found dangerously high levels of lead and arsenic at the site and is now trying to determine the full extent of the issue and potential solutions. If music is what you want, music is what you can get this weekend in and around Telluride. On Friday, Victor Andrada is playing Heritage Plaza from noon to 4 p.m. R.C. Hall is at the Transfer Warehouse from 3.30 to 5.30. And the Gold Kings are at the Phoenix Beam from 6 to 8 p.m. Saturday, catch Sean Deland at Heritage Plaza from noon to 4 Witness Atari Safari at the Transfer Warehouse from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. and experience the Motet with Colin Miller at Club Red from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Sunday, Kevin McCarthy Trio is at Heritage Plaza from noon to 4 and Jackie Garcia is at the Transfer Warehouse from 3.30 to 5.30. For more info on local live music, check out KOTO's live music calendar at koto.org. Burlesque is back. Next week, two groups are taking to the Sheridan Opera House stage to entertain and entrance. First, the beginning burlesque class graduates with their Cheap Thrills show on Wednesday and Thursday, March 23rd and 24th. There will be comedy, boylesque, and plenty of pasties. Then, the House of Shimmy Shake takes a romp through Sin City with the Vegas Strip on Friday and Saturday, March 25th and 26th. Both shows are at 8 p.m. at the Sheridan Opera House, 21 and up only. Tickets are available at TellurideTheater.org. A new report paints a bleak picture of radioactive waste at the White Mesa Uranium Mill in southeast Utah. As KSJD's Lucas Brady Woods reports, it says the mill is causing damage to the environment and surrounding communities. The report was compiled by the nonprofit Grand Canyon Trust and says over 700 million pounds of radioactive waste have been stored in pits on the mill's grounds. According to the report, waste is also leaking into the area's groundwater and emitting toxic air pollutants that are being blown into surrounding communities. Regina Lopez-Whiteskunk is one of a number of tribal members who says that includes the Ute Mountain Ute community of White Mesa, which is only a few miles from the mill. When you go into the homes, you see what the water quality is in the community when you turn the knob to the tap, when you smell it. The White Mesa Mill is owned and operated by Denver-based Energy Fuels Incorporated. In an emailed statement, Energy Fuels responded to the report saying the White Mesa Mill is, quote, a fully permitted uranium mill that operates to the highest global standards. The White Mesa Mill is the only operating uranium mill in the United States. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Cortez, Colorado. Colorado lawmakers are advancing a measure to restrict the sale of flavored tobacco. KOTO's Scott Franz has more. Several teachers and doctors are backing the bill. They say the flavors make it easier for kids to get addicted to tobacco. Daniel Hines is a lung specialist at Children's Hospital. He says he treats many children who get severe asthma after vaping. The time for bold action is now. Our kids cannot wait for us to continue debating on how to protect them. But lawmakers also heard from adults who say flavored vaping products are helping them quit cigarettes. Many business owners also oppose the ban, saying they only sell to adults. 
After eight hours of testimony, lawmakers scaled back their proposal to exempt premium cigars, pipe tobacco, and stores that only let people over 21 enter. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 10 degrees. Friday should be partly sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high near 40 degrees and a low around 15. Saturday, expect sunny skies with a high near 50 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Saturday night calls for mostly cloudy skies with a low around 30 degrees. This has been the news for Thursday, March 17th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who has donated to KOTO during our winter 2022 fundraising. A huge thank you to Harold Malloy, Thatcher Marstead, Gloria Kittrick, Charles Pine, Lucy Reeve and Jim Bedford, Trish Schilling, Sarah Steffen, Shanna Tyler, Matt Tuomi, Andrew Weinstock, Walter Weatherson, Todd Youngerman, Jennifer Morgan, Haley Nenadal, Gary Linninger, Andre Mobarrett, Kristen Gould, Dave and Erica Domlin, Michael Crichton, Dylan Brooks, Lindy Brewer, Max Mom, Carol and John Dix, Luke Brown, Alexis Brown, Will Crossland, Larry Holmgren, Gretchen Coitz, Sanford Kryle, Sarah Landerew, and Henry Mitchell. Thank you all so much.